Hello and welcome to In Star Trek We Trust. This week we will be discussing the Star Trek Picard Episode 6, The Impossible Box. My name is Ethan. My name is Kevin. And we are beyond the halfway point. Yes, we are. We are 60% mm-hmm. through. Yeah. It's, and um... things are finally have come, our two plot lines have conjoined finally but i was not missing the break from the stuff on the borg artifact last week i'll say that much oh well i i think that though this is the best borg artifact we've gotten yes uh i think overall though i mean it's definitely a stronger episode than last week i was really into this episode and i think a lot of stuff happened to to move this story forward Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now, I want to know, because you told me that there was something that made you laugh out loud, and I also had something that made me laugh out loud. Oh, so let's hear yours, and then I'll All right, well, it's, it didn't happen until the very end of the episode, but so I'll just talk about it now and get it out of the way. But um, it was at the end of the episode when they used the trajector technology to escape from the Borg Queen Cell. Mm. They talked about how they assimilated this from a species called the Sakarians. And this will take them 40,000 layers. The reason I laughed is because that's a direct reference to a first season episode of Voyager. And the Sakarians are a uh, alien race that Voyager encounters. And there are people who are known for their uh, hospitality and pleasure. Interesting. So why would yeah. they have a trans? It, it was just a technology that they had that Voyager wanted to somehow negotiate to oh, use to get so them. So we've seen this technology before, too. We have. We have. Well, and the episode goes that Tuvok manages to negotiate a trade for it secretly but without Captain Janeway knowing. And before they can get a chance to tell her about it, some of the officers in engineering, Balana, Taurus included, actually get the thing going. And then something goes seriously wrong with it. So you have the whole, you know, lecture from Janeway at the end of the episode. And stuff. But the reason I laughed is just because it seemed like it was such a... It was such an it seemed like such an obscure episode of Voyager to make reference to, and the fact that like, you know, these are alien. This is an alien race who are just known for like hospitality and pleasure and stuff. And you're just thinking like, yeah. like, well, I hope the Borg are now known for their <laughs> hospitalities because you know, <laughs> they've assimilated their hospitality. I mean that parts. Borg vessel seems pretty hospitable now, so right. maybe they got a few things, but. Right. I think um, this is another thing that goes to just counter that narrative a lot of the haters put out that these writers don't know Star Trek. Right. Well, again, as I said to you, the co-creator is Kristen Beyer, who is known for writing... Um, she's written, I think, over a dozen Voyager novels. So yeah. she knows the Voyager side of things so really, I, really well. Yeah. And that's why you're getting a lot of Voyager references. I think that can be put to rest. Yeah. Although, I do have to say, and I know we try not to do this too much, but... Chances are anyone watching Picard and listening to this also watched Discovery. But I think it is a moment where I think the show is a little bit more careful about bringing things from the past. Because maybe they wanted him to be able to escape, but rather than invent some new thing, they figured out where, you know, what would make sense from the canon rather than, I don't know, have time crystals or something. Yeah, I mean, we don't know what the limits of Borg technology is. It doesn't seem to be one. It's just, you know, they it's they just they gain it through assimilation. So the Borg could have had something similar. I mean, they do have transwarp drive, but the fact that they were just able to somehow 
it wasn't it was clear to me that this wasn't a situation that was written just to have that episode right. referenced it was just <clears throat> yeah you could have written something in that the borg had this technology on their own and right. it would have been this... fine but the fact that you were able to kind of squeeze in this obscure episode from voyager's first season yeah, it just makes it all seem more like it's of one universe yes um, yeah. One thing I think that the board must have done is assimilated a bunch of user interface designers because their ship's user interface is very nice now. Yeah. You notice. It's improved. It's yeah, had, they touch and it's just these like holographic green things come up. Here it's had a it's significant, great. yeah, it's had a significant upgrade. Yes. So significant what, OS upgrade. Here's what made me laugh out loud. Okay. When they were, um, Picard and Hugh and Soji were escaping and one of the xb just turned and said "Lucutus." yeah that was funny too as if oh man i haven't seen you in so long what's up buddy <laughs> it was just the tone that he had was very yeah it had it was, to have intentionally been humorous yes so, oh of course that was great because this was the first time picard had been on a borg vessel since he was assimilated in best of both worlds so yes yeah yeah that was, that was funny it was really funny by an intentionally funny yours probably not yeah, it was just funny because it was an obscure episode to reference. But, yes, yeah. I, I, I didn't even place it. <clears throat> cool. So, so uh, two big things happening in this. Two major themes, threads, mm-hmm. rather. We have Narek and Soji before Picard shows up, and then we have Picard showing up. Yep. The, the Narek and Soji storyline seems to have... In some ways, I don't want to say resolved itself, but I think now it's sort of run its course. Um, I do think there is still a mystery remaining there. There's still a mystery remaining, but is you know is Picard going to come head to head with Narek at some point? Our main character is going to come head to head with Narek. Right. Yeah. So I don't think we're done with him yet. I don't but... think we're done with him either, particularly yeah. because he because he has to kill her and yeah well we can't because he wants to kill her and they have to find out where the right so but okay so we'll get right to this question that i have yeah so we have been talking for a while of how we think narek is on the side of the righteous here yeah uh and then when he was killing her i thought oh well clearly he isn't he's he's fulfilling his sister's uh wishes right but the way he chose to kill her gave her ample way to escape. Yep. And he was upset about it, so I wonder if that was a ru- intentional on his part, <clears throat> knowing that she could have probably escaped. Like he gave her a way of killing her that <clears throat> gave a chance for her to escape. And I, it seemed like that may have been intentional to me. Because I still don't fully believe that he's completely on board, although it was tough to tell because he did seem to get pretty cold-blooded there. I don't know about that. I mean, she smashed to the floor and then she escaped from the room. And he did seem to me to be a little bit surprised by it, but maybe not as surprised as I would have thought he would be. So maybe there's something, but... Yeah. Yeah. It just seems like he did have a way to kill her that gave her ample time to figure something else out. Right. One thing I have to say is that his plan, whether he did really fall in love with her or not, it seemed like he probably did. But it worked perfectly, and even his sister seemed very impressed because there's no way that he could have done that without all the prep work he did by building her trust. There's right. no way he could have walked her through her memory, and that was a very intimate experience. So, yeah. 
um, pretty brilliant. And we even saw that. Uh, and she's active, and she's been activated now. Right. Yeah. And his sister was also very impressed with his uh, work. She's been critical. Yeah. Um. Here's the thing. I was curious that he was. It's almost like he was feeding her <clears throat> bits. And I was wondering why that was. Feeding her bits how? Bits of her, the fact that she's not who she thinks she is. Like, just in the episode or throughout the... Uh, throughout season? a little bit. He mentioned how she wasn't on the passenger list. Yep. But this time, he told her how her mom's calls only lasted 90 seconds every time. Right, that's when she would pass out. Yeah, and um, then... Which, like... incidentally, by the way, we didn't mention that last week that we did find out that... Her mom is an AI. There wasn't. I don't really think there was any question about it because something really seemed off. But we actually just got the confirmation. That's right. From Max. that, it was her mother. Is from. It's called the mom AI. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it was neat that we got to see it clearly as an AI, and they're <clears> trying to. Yeah. You know, uh, kind of. Yeah, I mean, we saw Soji pass out talking to her mom AI a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and now we see it again. And yet she knew something was not right, so that's why she stabbed herself to stay right. awake. And whatnot. So right. I wonder why was he giving her little clues about it? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm with you. I think that there's definitely, like, some... I think he's definitely somewhat sympathetic towards her. But, yeah. Yeah, he was clearly upset when she was... Oh, yeah, I mean, he was close. He got himself close with her. Yes. And he got emotionally he involved. Crying, so, yeah. Even. Yeah. Um... But where this is going to take us is apparently now we find out that all these synths have a homeworld. Maybe. Maybe. Because we don't know how many Maddox... For all we know, that's just where Maddox made them, the two of them. Right. But even in the attack on Mars, or the Mars attack, (laughs) um, these synths were attacking with ships. So... They were? They were. Okay. Yeah. But they were all the synths that were created by the Federation to do work, right? That's what it seems like. I mean, it's we see stuff happen on the surface of Mars, but we also see ships attacking yeah. Mars. So, and it's not clear what those ships are. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, they could have been coming from wherever this homeworld was. So you're saying it's but... possible that there's a homeworld with those... Possibly. Like the, I think possibly, yes. What I'll call the B4 yeah. synths. Correct. That are like, That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah. Do you think there might be a bunch of Sojis and da- Dodges or that style? I don't think so, because only because Maddox was so... Well, they so did say... Well, the, the Doctor did say in the first intrigued. episode they're built in pairs, which tells me they're not the only two. Right. But I wonder why is it then that Maddox was so fixated on them that he asked... Yeah. Is she alive? Or whatever. Could have been his first... The first two he that's built. True. The ones that he likes the most. That's true. So... That's true. Yeah. And speaking of the doctor... What's the doctor's name? Agnes Barati. Thank you. Dr. Agnes Barati. Yep. So, I like something that they did with the character. Yep. First, I hate the character. Not the character. I hate what she did. Yes. <laughs> you know, she's two-timing them, and she still hasn't come out. We, we thought maybe she would get caught, but yep. that has not happened. Um, so then she 
has sex with, or almost has sex with, Rios, the captain. Yep. yep. Now, here's why I like this scene. Uh, Star Trek has had an issue, even though it is all science people, they've had an issue of playing into that nerd um, trope of the nerdy smart person doesn't have sex or get sex. Right? Think of Jordy. Yeah. Jordy's always have striking out with the ladies. You know? I mean, that's one of my favorite types of episodes. Jordy striking out with the ladies. Yeah. But I like how here it's like, yeah, she's an accomplished scientist, mm-hmm. and she's someone that will have hookup sex when they feel like it because that's what she wants to with do. With Maddox and now with Rios. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So I think that was cool. So Rios better be careful. She may kill him too. If she needs to. At some point, yeah. If he gets in the if way. He of does her, if he does her wrong. Yes. Yeah, it was an interesting scene. Um, I'm, you know, the doctor's worrying me, obviously, because of what she did. Yes. And nobody else, nobody knows about it. So where is that going to lead? Like, what's going to happen when that is revealed to the characters? Like, right. Or... How is that going to come into play? It's, yeah. Because also, what other mischief could she get up to? Right. I, one, one moment I couldn't quite read is when they said, um, oh, he has, we're, not, we're, not, we're not able to go to the cube and she said oh good like I was relieved yeah but I, I think maybe she was trying to hide the fact that she wanted to go so that she could have maybe killed Soji well it makes me wonder what the doctor may know of um Soji and Dodge I mean she gives Picard as much she gives Picard some information in the first episode and you know a little bit of a sprinkling here and there throughout the episodes where it's relevant but yeah that was all given- before she had her meeting with the Sunglasses. Which we still don't really know what that meeting was about. But we know that she... We could assume she got shown the secret that destroys men's minds or whatever. I mean, is it possible that the Admiral told her in some ways to kill Maddox? I think the Admiral showed her the secret that they say the Tal Shiar are hiding. Because she said... I wish you could shut to Maddox before she killed him. I wish you could know what I know. I wish I didn't know what I know. Right. So they showed her something to let her to make her believe that Soji is so dangerous that it's worth killing the person that you respect, your mentor and your former lover. Right. My point is I do I'm wondering what um she knows of sort of Maddox's relationship with the two of them like you know were they together like in other words were they together when they were when he built the two of them like how far back does her knowledge of the two of them go all right with since she was involved with Maddox in the first place you know I think she never got to see them I think that came up like Maddox is their father yes is she technically their mother like you know I'm pretty sure not the mom AI obviously but I think she never saw them you don't think so she mentioned that yeah. Oh, Maddox asked her, did you get to see them? She said no. Well, does that mean didn't see them at all, or just see them in that moment? Because oh, they're true. reunited. That's true. Yeah. The thing I'm definitely left with is, what is the thing that she knows? Yeah. What could it be that would make her kill someone that she was that close to? I really think that her killing Maddox is a, is somehow a result or tied into the conversation she had with Kamenero. 100%. Yeah. 100%. We just, again, we don't know what the substance of that conversation was. Right. Yeah. And so I'm left to, the thing we do know about it is it was, the information she got was 
intense enough to make her kill her mentor that she was you right. know, in a relationship with. But it also confirms one thing. So that means it's got to be terrible or but something huge. It also confirms one thing to me in that it's not all of Starfleet or the Federation who's kind of quote-unquote corrupt because Commodore O and that Admiral who said sheer fucking hubris, his name I forget. Yes. They know where Picard is and where he's going. Yes. But the Admiral that um, oh, right. Raffi spoke to was like, wait, what? Yes. So what that tells me, and I mean, what that tells me is that there's only two people in Starfleet who know all about what's going on. And the rest are, right or that we know of, and the rest are not, you know. Yeah, and maybe it's only the higher level of power. Right. That's certainly what it tends to be when you have those corrupt, higher-ranking yes. officers. Yes. It's usually around them. Around admiral level. Yeah, well, it's, it's always an admiral, but again, Commodores. it's always around them, but they're always doing it. It doesn't spill out to the entire Federation. It's always they're sort of doing it on their own. Yes, Yeah. which makes sense. Right. Um, so that that was an interesting scene. Here's why: because Rafi does her sort of sweet talk to get Picard the authorization. Yeah. And then after she stumbles away, Picard leans back in the seat and breathes a sigh of relief, and then the the next gen theme plays over it. Yes. I thought that was interesting because how far he has come that right. now his triumphant moment is because his drunken former first officer was able to defraud Starfleet into giving him a, uh, you know, authorization to go somewhere. But she's not even, like, in Starfleet anymore, you know? That's the that's the, right. that's the odd thing about that scene. But yeah. yet she still seems to have pull somehow. Yeah. Even though she, it's clear she's friends with that admiral, so yeah. it's sort of, yeah. Yeah. So how far the mighty have fallen. Yeah, definitely. So um, I, I really enjoyed that scene between them, too, so that she was doing. Yeah, it was well done. Very yeah. well done. Oh, so this is sort of a not probably not that fun of a fact for you, but okay. um, uh, Rafi. Why well, I knew Rafi so much, I didn't realize that she was on Law and Order SVU for the first few yeah. seasons. I think I, I had no idea. But I was watching old Law and Order recently. I've definitely her. told you that. I don't think well, I told you on the podcast, but right. I think when we were like tr- early on figuring out who the cast was, oh, okay. I was like, I think she. I, I, her specifically, I was like, oh, she was on Law and Order, I think. Okay. And I don't watch Law. Maybe Order, I didn't so. put it together being SU, SVU because I yeah. really like it. Law and right. Order SVU. Um. So actually, back on the subject of the of Soji escaping from that room. Yes. That ritual that she goes through. Yes. I thought was really interesting and did a really good job showing. It was a very Vulcan-like ritual. I thought the same. And thing. And just really kind of reinforces the idea that. The Romulans are offshoots yes. of the Vulcans. Yep, it was very and Vulcan-like. It was an extremely Vulcan-like um, moment. But um, something big happens in that scene. We find out that Narek is not... It's not actually his name. Right, and we find out also, what, that Romulans have many names? Yeah. That's it. Yeah, the show is doing a lot of Romulan world-building. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting cultural piece there, yeah, that they have different names. Like one what is it? One they have at home, one they have at like It's like one at home, one in like military I forget what it was, but yeah, yeah. there's a couple. Yeah. But his name is Yeah. I don't think I'm gonna say this right. It didn't so. even say at one point that's not my name. Yeah, his name is Hri Yun. 
okay. Yeah. But Narek is a very Romulan slash Vulcan right. type of name. Maybe that's because so. the only time we've seen Romulans before is they've been using their like official name. Their well, Romulans and Vulcans, name. Romulan and Vulcan males tend to have a K mm. somewhere in their name. Yeah. Um, you know, Spock, Ambassador Tomalak, mm. Narek, Sarek, like. Mm. So, oh, yeah, Narek, Sarek. Yeah. Um, but, but even then, like, it's kind of similar to Vulcans too because Spock has said that he actually has a longer name, but it's can't be pronounced by humans, so uh, they just yeah. go with Spock. Got it. So even though they're adding something with the Romulans, it's it's they're sort of still paralleling Vulcans in a lot of ways. And again, I think the ritual that he put her through yeah. was very much a Vulcan type of ritual. Oh yeah, I guess of sort of recalling Spock memories. Yeah. The thing that gets me though is because I went back and watched it a couple times, and I hope I didn't miss it, is what was it that prompted her to begin sort of, like, quote-unquote carbon date her items and figure that out? Right, so that was when he told her, he he told her about the 90-second phone calls, or video calls with her mom, and said, um, you know, so I think it was, actually, so this makes more sense to explain why he was doing that. He wanted to put seeds of doubt into her, about who she was so that she would start to question it so that he could help her figure it out and then when and she then, figured it out he would figure it out right so yeah he told her first that she wasn't on the that's right yeah, yeah that's right that's exactly what it was first it wasn't on the list of the passengers then these phone calls take 90 seconds only yep so then she tries to stay awake and she can't and then she's really weirded out so that's when she starts carbon dating right it's interesting that they would have printed photographs doesn't it Maybe. kind of yeah because remember, yeah. Data, when he was, um, when Bruce Maddox was going to take him away, he had a little hologram of... I just think, even uh, then, people have their preference. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but, as you saw, the dating of all of those things... 37 months. It's the same amount of time as when uh, when they established his Dodge being alive. It was like three years. She yeah. was created... Her whole life was a was created like three years ago. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, but she didn't seem to like. Yeah, <laughs> it just makes sense. Quite a bit. Yeah, and then just and one tiny little observation I noted this on Twitter. So when Soji actually grabs all of her stuff and throws it on the table, she opens up a lunchbox, yeah. and on the lunchbox it says "The Adventures of Flotter." That's a holodeck program that Naomi Wildman ran multiple times on Voyager. Wow. Yeah. This is a Voyager I know. cut show. It really yeah. is. We need some Deep Space Nine people attached so we can get, we can get some more of that too. Right. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah. So I think the big mystery there that I still want to know is how much is Narek still on her side, maybe? Yeah. And secondly, of course, we now the two moons and a constant uh, electrical storms. Yep. That um, there's that. Yeah. Peace. Um, the interesting thing for, that I also pointed, found out was, um, so I don't remember if I said this last week, but I've said it in conversations with people, but I'm really curious to know what the state of the sort of Romulan empire is as a result of this, because the way we're seeing it, it doesn't seem like they're in too much disarray. Right. It's weird because the Tal Shiar is doing great. 
Right. And yet, the only other Romulans we've and seen the out there... And by extension. Right. And the only other Romulans we've seen out there is that planet with the refugees, the nuns, and then the like Wild West saloon. Right. And that didn't seem too good over right. there. Well, and, and that in itself, the more I thought of it, confused me too, because I, I'm thinking... Why is technology completely stripped out of this culture, at least on this planet? Like, how come they don't have any, you know, I'm not seeing any computers. I'm not seeing, you know, they, it almost seems, I don't want to say barbaric, but to your point, it seems very, like, pre-industrial, very Wild West, very kind of, Yes, you know, and I think and it could just the, be for the writing effect, but. I think it's something they were complaining about, the is that you brought us to this planet, and you left us here, and it sucks. Right. Uh, but. If there is still a Romulan government in place, why haven't they done anything for them? It doesn't make sense because in the first episode of the show, we see Romulan vessels coming in and out of the Borg artifact. Right. So, yeah, and if the Romulans, like, where are the rest of them? <laughs> right. Yeah. And if I were one of those Romulans on the planet and I heard that they're putting all these resources into a Borg cube and they're leaving us on this planet to, you know, whatever it is, mine for gold or... Um, drink at the saloon i would be so upset. well so that planet that they go to like free cloud for example is in the former romulan neutral zone which is in the beta quadrant and so i was doing some research and figuring out how the borg so you have this borg reclamation project yeah which we finally got more information on which is great yeah um which is so there's a borg artifact artifact research institute and I'm just like digging and digging and digging. Right. Because remember, the Romulans have the research institute, but Hugh has the reclamation project. But this but this all falls under the uh, the arm of the Romulan Free Senate, which is a Romulan government existing after the supernova. And it controls the derelict Borg cube called the Artifact. What else does it control? Right. Like, is that all it has? That's its empire now? Is it Borg cube? Yeah, and that's... And again, I, I want some more information on... What is the stat status of like basically the entire Romulan Empire? Right. And why are they not gathering the remaining Romulans from places like the planet that Picard went to? Right. Because the point I made was even though Romulus and Remus are destroyed, it's not clear how like how far reaching that supernova went. Because it's an empire and I thought to myself, Well, you have other planets right. in your empire. Right. Well, right. remember, they did say how, in the comic anyway... It threatened the entire galaxy or something like that. Or, well, they, yeah, they got people that were on the... They first evacuated people that were on the very edge of the area affected. So right. So maybe it, it was going to cover the whole area. Yeah, I just think... I think we need a little bit of more information. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying that it makes things difficult to believe. But, right. But it's I'm almost like... curious. Well, to me, because it almost feels like that the supernova almost didn't... D it's almost like it doesn't matter. Like, right. how d would it be much different? Yeah, why is if, it still? If the Romulan Senate right. still existed, or I mean, if... they'd still be more closed off in the whole thing. But it's they... almost like it only matters halfway. Right. Like it matters for the people that are on the planet that Picard went to. Right. And it, it matters that people are so angry at Picard. Right. But it doesn't matter for the fact that the Romulan Empire and government are still operating. Right. So either have it matter for both or neither, but. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So now, I. It's kind of like the Borg reclamation project. Remember, first we were confused and we wanted to know, like, wait, what's all going on with this Borg cube? Who runs right. it? Who owns it? Right. Who are all the people there? It's the same kind of thing. I'm curious. It's not 
be interfering too much, but I would like to know. But see, the other reason why I'm asking this is because this whole Borg artifact situation, there's an alliance, there's a treaty between the Federation and the Romulans for this. And, they're, and the even though the Romulans sort of oversee it, they're allowed to bring in Federation people to do research on the cube. They don't have access to everything. Yeah. But the fact that there's some kind of a treaty in place. Yes. And that's why I began asking this question again. I was thinking, like, yeah, like, what's going on here with the Romulans? Like, Yes, and I still do wonder about that. But here's my theory. I think the reason they would want, they would let Hugh be involved is because Hugh is an asset that they can't ignore. Yeah. Because he he's he's has too much information that they would need. I don't think they would have let anybody go there and work on it. But here's the thing, though. Hugh is a there's even like a little bit of a story in there that I feel like needs to be told, because Hugh is established now as being a Federation member. Yes. And so at some point he emigrated. Well, right. So between so. Me, as sort of the curious fan, wants to know, between the last, between when we last saw him in Descent, Hugh, yes. and now, what happened? What made you change your mind, Hugh? Perhaps my encounter with the Enterprise affected me more than I realized. What will you do now? I don't know. We can't go back to the Borg Collective. And we no longer have a leader here. I'm not sure that's true. Perhaps in time, we will learn to function as individuals and work together as a group. Good luck, Hugh. Goodbye. I think that's where the seed for this right. was probably planted. Right. The yeah. thing that It's been a while since I've seen the episode, so... Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, it's too bad that we haven't even had Jordy mentioned. I was very and, disappointed with that. And Jordy's the one who gave Hugh a name. Yeah. Jordy's the one who convinced Picard to give Hugh a chance. Yes. Jordy is more like his absence is more felt than anyone else. Well, and it only and just to help you with that, when we encounter Hugh again in Descent Part Two, Hugh asks about Jordy to Riker and Worf. Yes. And now. Yeah. He sees Picard and he's acting like Picard's his best friend ever. Yeah. He was really happy to see Picard. Right. But he didn't ask about Jordy. Well, think about it. If he's that happy to see Picard, think of how happy he would have been to see Jordy. Jordy. Unless he had a falling out, that was part of what we missed. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. There's a short trek in there somewhere. <laughs> um, I think the name should have at least I know, come up. I know. Yeah, it, 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 you, know what, you know what it reminded me of? It's like lore not being mentioned almost. You know what it reminded me of? There's that scene at the end of Force Awakens. It's after Solo dies and they come back to the base. Okay. And Leia hugs Ray, yeah. but Chewie doesn't hug Leia. Like you'd yeah. think it would have been. Yeah. Cause they like Chewie just walks right by her. Yeah. It's like Chewie. Right. So, I mean, I had yeah, an issue that, with that moment. No, a lot of people had a problem so, with that. That was yeah. a big, big deal. So to to kind of yeah reinforce the point here, I think that Hugh should have at least inquired about Jordy. Yeah. However, let me say this. Could have been funny too. He could have been like, "What's Jordy? Have you seen Jordy?" That, there could have been a reason for that though, because in the comics, Jordy is Jordy works at Utopia Planitia, right? Which was attacked. Yeah. And so also I don't know. Dead. 
Well, I don't know if Jordy's face. I mean, again, not everybody has read the comic, so and his name isn't dropped, so it's not hinted at. But maybe his fate is being left. Yeah, or maybe he is dead. Unintentionally ambiguous. Hugh doesn't want to bring up any, you know, painful thoughts. Maybe. But then again, two two people that were very close to the same person the first time they're seeing each other in years and the person died mentioned it also. Yeah, it's a mystery. It's interesting. Yeah. But that's also 15 years ago, so... Right, a lot could have happened between yeah. then. <clears throat> so. Um, yeah, and I really love... But here's where... Um, Jordy was mentioned without being mentioned. Was when... Um, Hugh gives Picard a tour of the facility where they, after the surgery of removing the implants, where the people recover. Um, which also got very close to what I wanted, which was the Borg, ex-Borg recovery group. Yes. Like AA. Yep. Um, but he says... XBs. Yeah, so he mentions <laughs> XBs, and he says, well, a new name can mean a new identity. And who gave him a new name? Yep. It was Jordy. Jordy had to convince him. He didn't want to take it. He goes, no, my name is... Well, I'm not calling you that because it was like a series yeah. of numbers and letters. Well, it's interesting to me also that when I found out that he, that Jonathan Delago was going to be reprising his role for the show, I did wonder if he was going to be maintaining the name Hugh because even though that was sort of something that the Enterprise crew, the name they gave him, like... The Borg are not going to be calling him that. And even though when he regained his individuality, I thought to myself, is he still going to go by that name? Yeah, because I think that's what helped him become individual. Yeah. It was the first little bit of individuality that he got. But I don't recall. Do we Now, we know him as Hugh. But be, before Picard comes aboard the Borg ship... Does anyone else call him Hugh? Has anybody else called him that? I don't think anyone's called him anything. Okay. But I'm not sure. So maybe we're keeping in line with that. Yeah, so maybe potentially. You know, I just I don't. I, yeah, I would like to think he kept the name Hugh, and he encouraged yeah. all the export to, you know, choose yeah. names that are not drone number seven five three six two one eight. Yeah, because right now he's the like director slash supervisor. I don't yeah. think I've heard anybody else call him Hugh. I right. sort of I'm sort of fifty fifty. I'm not sure yet. So right. Yeah. So the interesting thing, two interesting things that we get here about this project, um, is that. He says how he's operating the reclamation project separately from the Romulans, sort of. Yep. But um, Picard says, I never believed the simulation could be undone at this scale and by Romulans, no less. Yeah. But then he replies a little <laughs> bit later, um, we, but we are still as helpless, or they are. I, he says, I get to leave because I'm a, I'm a citizen of the federation but the xbs are still as helpless and enslaved as before only they have a romulan queen now yeah so that's interesting because even though he's running that and he's helping these people to come out of their borg state yeah they still are kind of owned by the romulans it seems right so that's an interesting and who is that romulan queen right is that the destroyer right or is it just a queen that's running this yeah. Um, Senate that you right. mentioned, the new Senate. Um, Which again calls into question of the extent of damage to the Empire itself. Right. To me. Right. Yeah. So that's interesting. Uh, I wonder how much autonomy he really has. And I think we're going to find out next week that he doesn't have that much because they're going to, they seem to be torturing him for information. But this was also the first time 
in watching Trek for a long time where I actually felt bad for the Borg. Like they were actually, because think about it, they really are their victims. Yes. They're all victims. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that brings up a good point because I was wondering, I thought Picard had already worked through all this shit about the Borg. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting because in first contact, he's having dreams about them again, but, yes. and even back then I thought to myself, well, why is he having dreams about him then? Because he wasn't having it in I Borg or Descent. Why is it suddenly happening again? Is it like an anniversary or something like that? Like, right. Yeah. So that doesn't make any sense. I would say in this case, maybe it makes a little more sense only because he's actually on the Borg ship, which, as I said earlier, is the first time he's been on a Borg ship oh, since yeah. the Best of Both Worlds. Yeah. However, he does have some nightmares in First Contact before they actually... Right. right. He almost seems to know that they're coming well, I get in First that Contact. When he's on the ship, if you suffer that... Even yeah. without the collective mind part, which he clearly still seems to have some of. Yeah. Being at the place would bring back the trauma, and that would be get but, post-traumatic stress and whatnot. But even... Sorry. But before, when he was on the ship, and they were just mentioning Borg, he was freaking out again and saying, like, no, they're not... You can't... They're... Ah! Yeah. I forget exactly what he said. That's why I'm just making sounds. But he said... <laughs> he's, he was saying some things like the Borg are... Well, killing machines. He didn't say that, but you know. Here's I mean. here is the thing. Here are the things I can at least go back and reference from memory. So, in the episode "Family," which is the one after "Best of Both Worlds," when he goes back to France, uh, Troy asks him how he's feeling, and he does say, "Well, the nightmares have ended." Mm. Yeah. Um, in I Borg, when they encounter Hugh. Um, and the other Borg on the crusher. He doesn't trust you, but also he has a, you know, obviously... And he says it a lot. Doesn't he say, they're killing machines. You can't reason with them. They can't be turned. Yeah. It's, so... Even though he was certain. He has a little bit of a visceral reaction when they find out there's a crashed Borg cube, but, like... Yeah. It's not... He's not having flashbacks. He, it's no. more of, like, a cautious, like, oh, yeah. no reaction. Yeah, but that's the thing that I think... I'm surprised that he still has that prejudice here. Right. Of like, no, but, you can never trust a Borg. But then in Descent, he doesn't really have a reaction like that either. Because, and I think maybe you could sort of get around it a little bit in Descent because they're not drones that are connected to the collective anymore. Yeah. But even, even though he comes, even though he comes face to face with with them multiple times in the episode, he doesn't have a sort of, you know, so. Yeah. Well, Hugh was still sort of connected at the moment. At that moment, they just sort of were able to create sort of a dampening field yeah. so his signal wouldn't. But right. he wasn't. He wasn't separated. Right. Yeah. I just do remember, like, it seemed like a big part of that. His arc has been that he didn't think the Borg could be helped. Yeah. And he just hated them completely. But I, I thought through every other one that he, he worked through that and he realized yeah. that they were victims. So I was surprised he was still coming at it this time with the same attitude of... Well, like, even when they first encountered the Borg, Q, who's taunting Picard, he's saying, you know, you can't outrun them, you can't destroy them. They regenerate and keep coming. Yeah. You know, like, he... Yeah, this is an enemy that all your... You may be, you know, a good diplomat, but none of those things matter here yeah because you could be the best diplomat in the world you're never going to reason with them 
Guinan mentions in Q who that you can't negotiate them or um, and that she's never met anybody who actually has. So even though Janeway sort of does it in Scorpion, but they but, don't know about that. Well, Janeway had a proposal and the board would benefit from it. So it was sort of a negotiation, that. but yeah. Yeah. So, um, but that was, well, if they passed a law, you couldn't talk about that. No. <laughs> well, no, the, the, I think in that specific instance, the circumstances called for it. So I, I'm right. not saying that it doesn't count, but... And I'm sure Guinan didn't know about that. Yeah. Either. But it seems like... I mean, let's be honest. Well, there's one of two interpretations. One is the writers have Picard have the attitude toward the Borg they want him to have to write whatever story they're writing. Yep. Because we've seen him get over his... Because it is called Star Trek Picard. <laughs> well, right, but I mean, in any Star Trek. Yeah. Because he's had... He's gotten over his irrational fear of Borg, even ex-Borg, a couple of times in the in the show and in right the, um, and in um, first contact. First contact. Yeah. And here we are again, which fine. But the other side of it, I guess, is if someone suffers that kind of trauma, uh, it's not just gonna like you're gonna get over it, and then you're just gonna be done. Yeah, I mean, I also think that we haven't seen the character in a long time, and so. I feel like if they didn't at least broach that subject, we'd be like, what? We'd be questioning, well, why the fuck didn't they do it? So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So remember a few episodes ago where I said, any time that you see through a screen one face superimposed on another, it means something. Yes. Unless. Unless it's unless. being directed by. Yes. Will Riker. Yes. And then it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So today we got it, and it did mean something, and it was symbolic in a great way. Yeah, because we got to see it in a way that showed us that he still has that part of himself is still in there. Yeah, you see him sort of put his hand on his face where his implants were. Yes, and, and we see the picture completely lined up, so the implants are back. Yes, visually letting us know that he's not fully recovered. The haters didn't like it because they were saying the implants are on the wrong side, and I was like, they're not on the wrong side because it's a reversed image. Yeah, they're looking it's the right screen. It's, it's, from it's the behind. right side. For, it's the right side for us, the viewers. So Picard's looking at it backwards, yeah. but it lines up with his face. That's a scene for us. Yeah. Yeah. They need to get their. Uh, what was cool though? Um, one of the really thing. One of the things about this that I thought was really cool was um, the various flashbacks that he's having. Yes. From like all of that is coming from. From Next Generation. It's coming from a lot of first contact scenes yeah. thrown in there. There's even well a photo from DS9. Edited. Yeah. Because they seem seamless, you know? Yeah. It didn't seem like they were suddenly cutting to a show shot in the 90s. But it also was a good way of showing that continuity. Like, they weren't... They weren't, like, new shots of Borg thrown in for that. Like, they actually showed footage from first contact, right. from Next Generation. So... Must have been a fluke. Since the writers don't watch Star Trek. Not only do they not watch Star Trek, they hate Star Trek. So, And they're actively destroying it from the inside. Ain't that right, gatekeepers? Anyway. Uh, so, this is what I really like in this episode. When... There are other things you like. Right, but here's the thing I really, really like. Okay. Big thing. Just, it can be very, um, you know, there's a, there's a, um, there's a easy way to get an audience. Yep. Using dramatic irony. Mm-hmm. Where, no wait, situational irony? One of the two ironies. One of the three ironies. Something ironic. 
um, when it's we the audience have information that the characters don't. Yes. And so therefore, what's happening like it gives it a different sense to us. It's the old. Of what we know. It's the old horror movie thing. We know the killers in the closet. Don't go in there. Yes. Yes. Or the sitcom where we know that the cool guy is mm. feeding the lines to the nerd guy while he's talking to the girl. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay. So. I think my comparison's better. That's okay. You're probably right. So, um, so I love that we have the situation where Hugh and Picard are making their way to Doctor Soji Asha, which I don't know that we knew her full name before. We did Dodge Asha. We knew that. Okay. So they're making their way to her, and we know that she has just already discovered yes about herself, and that she's with Narek, and we know that Narek is like moving to the next form part of his his plan. Yeah. So I just think that this was well written, well executed, and then well edited. Yeah. That it's definitely the most on the edge of my seat that I've been with this show so far. Yeah. Where, you know, they're making their way to her and and then they go and they're doing the ritual and I'm wondering are they gonna get there? What's gonna happen? Is he mm. gonna figure it out? Is is Narek already gonna have convinced her that then she won't trust Picard? Right. You know? It was right. very well done. It was. It was. And, and, you know, we've talked about the editing on the show at points being odd in its choices yeah. of mixing up scenes, but this yes. was just very well executed. More so when Frakes is doing it, I think. Yeah, but I don't yeah. wonder if Frakes edits yeah. his own stuff. I wonder. Well, he has to say in that, so. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I thought that that was um, the most into yeah. the action as I've been so far. Right. The only thing that I thought was a little disjointed mm. was... So they'd set up the moment earlier with Elnor to not come with Picard onto the Borg ship. Picard said, no, I don't want you to come. I want you to stay here. And then, But we all knew that he was going to somehow show up at some point eventually anyway. But I think the circumstances in which he did was kind of like... I don't know. I just I don't like the way it ended it's like why are you staying behind picard and soji are gone why are you staying behind killing those guys just get out of there right i mean hugh may have been in danger Mm -hmm. but take hugh with you if you can just just beam out of there just as easily as you beamed in right and yeah yeah. so i i also had that here yeah um yeah so what why cover the escape i'm gonna cover your escape he just disappeared into thin air there's no escape to cover Right, just go now. Yeah. Yeah. I guess maybe. All right, so maybe. It wasn't like it... they needed time to unlock a door and find well, they the They did right actually key, cover right? it a little bit because Hugh said it's going to take a little while for the this room to like hide itself. Right. So we need to hold them off until the room can re hide itself. Right. Because otherwise, maybe they could go in and just look and it's like a phone. Like, what did they dial last but and then what... know where they went? But I guess. Unless I'm missing something here, what difference does that make though? Because Dodge and Picard are gone, so what's in there well, to get? Well, they could look at that, the door thing. What's it called? Oh yeah, the uh, trajector. Yeah, they might yeah. look, and it might be like a phone. You could see like, what did they dial last, and they know where it really went. Well, yeah, actually, you're right. Okay, that yeah, could've... you're right. Yeah. Uh, but I did wonder, yeah, like why cover their escape? Yeah. And if it was that easy to just beam aboard. Beam out of there. 
Yeah, or yeah. beam everybody in, or do any number of things. Right. It seemed way too easy. Because if they beam to... out of there, they're not gonna go. In, I have to assume they may not go into that room. They'd say, "Oh, you know, where did they beam to?" or something like that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And if yeah, it had a very disjointed ending, I thought. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I had to suspend my disbelief a little bit because you would think that if you had to get all that security clearance and whatnot, yeah, that it was hard to get into, and yet. Elmer. And I would think Elnor, who comes from a planet with very little technology, was able to beam himself into it. But also, I would assume because Hugh is a former Borg, he would somewhat have the edge on the Romulans on this Borg vessel. Like he would know how to work things to a point where they couldn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, he seemed to know about that room, and they did not. Right. But I guess if they came, the door was still open. Then they would know. Yeah. But you can't assume that they would know how to operate that thing. Maybe eventually. But, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, a slightly strange ending, but yes. I was, otherwise, like to see him. It made sense for him to be there, I guess, just because you know he's sworn to protect them and he needed protecting in that moment. Yeah. But it was a little convenient that he was able to show up. Hmm. I mean, that's just the dramatic effect of movies, TV, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A strange ending. To an otherwise really good episode, I thought. Definitely. Yeah. And here's what I really like. Now we have Picard and Soji on Nepen. Yep. I don't know. Do you know what that is? Is that a planet we it's know? Planet? I don't think so. So they're there. But here's why I think it's great. Because if they had beamed onto the ship, we know we can't trust the Doctor. So maybe, you know. So the fact that he, she is now, they are now separate from the Doctor. Yep. is good it makes it interesting because who knows what the doctor would have been trying to do to soji if they'd been directly aboard well it's also not clear to me that um is like i don't know if this is the last we'll see of hugh like well, is he with is he gonna oh get... no we're gonna see Hugh next week he was in the preview well, what i'm the last our crew is gonna see of him yeah, like is he gonna get? I, now we're just now I'm just speculating, but right. you know, is Hugh? They certainly had a knife or... to his neck, and we're telling him to yeah. spill it on where they went. So, oh, so never mind then. Um, yeah. So. And Elnor. So let's think of it, right? Elnor. Assume we can assume that Elnor got caught too. Yep. But I'm pretty sure Elnor's not gonna die. So Nepenthe is not a planet that we know. Okay. I just wanted to look it up while you were talking. But yeah. what I can tell you is. Nepenthe is a drug granting forgetfulness from Greek mythology. Oh, interesting. A planetary system with a similar name. The Nepenthe system was first introduced in the video game of Star Trek Bridge Commander. I'm interested in the Greek mythology thing. And I think, yeah. again, to your point, you don't put stuff like that in there unless you do it for, for right. a reason. Right. Yeah. To forget. That's interesting. I wonder. Is a drug granting forgetfulness in Greek mythology. Interesting. Hmm. So... So Kyle's going to go to that planet and forget where he is? Or Soji's going to forget that she knows she's a droid, or whatever she is. But it, it also seems to tell me that the planet that they went to, that's where Riker and Troy might be. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, because well, Picard did pick the planet, right? He did. So that must mean that's why he's, yeah, he shows up, because he knows he can be safe there. They'll give him a place to hide out. Right. That makes sense. And that's a good reason for them to be in it, you know? Right. He just shows up as like, I'm on the run, you gotta hide me. Yeah, because this is not the planet, I don't think, that Sochi, Sochi is from. Right, no, no, no. 
Yeah. So she doesn't even know the planet she's from. All she knows is it has two moons and yeah. electrical storms. And the and Narek's sister said, after all that, you know, she's going to try to find a star system with it that fits that description. Yes. So, yeah, it would have been ridiculous if they actually went to that planet. Oh. Picard and Soji went to that planet. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Yeah. That would be. Yeah. So. Because unless it would only would have made sense if Soji had remembered the name while doing the thing and then told him and then they went there. Yeah. Yeah. But that did not happen. Right. So if there's any oh. I wrote, one of my notes is, love triangle, question mark? Please no. <laughs> because my thought was, Elnor now and Soji are going to be together in the mission. Oh. And Elnor has been very, he's lived with nuns, right? Hmm. So he's a young man. Yeah. He's uh, at that age. Yep. Possibly. Soji's not uh, opposed to Romulan. Think of how he parallels Seven of Nine. He's... Seven was with the Borg, and now that she was human again, she has to sort of make these discoveries all over again. Mm. So, mm. yeah. So, I wonder. But it looks like they're not going to be together. Because Picard. Picard. Not. Well, not be together even in the same place, because Elnor right. is stuck on the Borg cube. Picard is in the Nepenthe, and yep. the ship crew is on the ship. On their way to that planet. Yes, but... Yeah. All right, so we're done with the episode, correct? Yeah. Okay. Unless you have more notes, but... No, I'm good. Yeah. So here's the um, interesting thing. Next week... Yeah, because everything was so distant, uninteresting <laughs> up until then. Well, up until here's this. the interesting thing from the preview for next week. Yes. <laughs> good point. Um, Picard is back on his vineyard, and he's talking to Irish Romulan. I don't think it's his holla thing. Hollow, if it's, it can't study. be because he's yeah right. So he, yeah. he's on his vineyard and he's talking to Irish Romulan lady, and he's saying, "When I started this, I had a crew and a ba and a ba, and now I don't have any of that." No, I think he's talking to Troy on the planet. What? Yeah, I think he's talking to Troy. Hmm. But, 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 Well, but. okay. When I started this, I did... Okay, so he's there, and he doesn't have that because they don't show up, but they're supposed to show up. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think he's he's probably giving Troy the recap of what Okay, has maybe gone I on. just... Maybe yeah. because of the room, I just assumed. Yeah. And because of what he was saying. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, like, 90% sure that that was Troy he was speaking with, so... Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense. It's good. Yeah. So I wonder if that is telling us that the crew doesn't make it there. Or they are at least delayed. Yeah, they're not there yet. Well, I think it's more about the fact that he's just separated from them at this point, I would say. It's, it sounds like a weird line, just given the circumstances. Yeah. yeah. I figure, though, if he knows they're coming, you know, because yeah. he's told to meet me there. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they just, I think to your point, they're just delayed because yeah, he left to try to get Elnor. He left in a very chaotic during a very chaotic situation. So yeah. and he doesn't actually Yeah. So he I think it's more that he doesn't know what their fate ended up becoming because he left in sort of the middle of this fracas. Combat fracas, yes. Um <laughs> So yeah, I wonder what's gonna be up with Elnor. And do we think Hugh is gonna make it out of the next episode? I, I hope, hope so. so. 
Oh, very good. I bet Elnor's going to save him, right? I, I feel like in some ways Hugh is set up to die, but I hope he I doesn't. Know, I hope not, too. Yeah. That would be a cheap well, cause in, in all of the previews for the season, when they showed the scene of Seven sort of clutching what turned out to be Ichab, I thought that was Hugh. Mm, right. Yeah. So I was sort of bracing myself for him to die in some way. Yeah, but, I, I could see him dying. Yeah. That would be bad, though. I I think because right now, there would, narratively, it wouldn't really make any sense. Yeah. My fear is that if he dies... It would feel cheap. Like, why yeah. would you do it? Right. It's kind of yeah. like when... Um, yeah, I won't, I won't go there. Okay. Um, but my fear is that Elnor and Hugh are together, and if Hugh dies, there's a good chance Elnor's not in good shape either. I don't think Elnor's going to die. Look at that kid's... I don't think so combat. either, but... Don't you think Elnor would protect Hugh, given that he knows Hugh, yep. Picard, or close, and Hugh just saves Picard? Hmm. So, what would happen to make Hugh die and not Elnor? And I do want to see Elnor versus the Tal Shiar because I like to think that he's, you know, he's, he's a good guy. They could be shooting at them and then Elnor may just miss something and then he gets shot. Yeah. Yeah. Another Robin Lee could sneak in during the hand-to-hand combat and just, you know. Yeah. Or well, like, he... Elnor thought he took them all down, then one just gets up in the background and shoots him in the back. You know? Oh, Hugh? Yeah. Well, no, because we see Hugh... With, it's actually... Um... No, one of the like, Romulans that Elmer thought he killed. Oh, no, but we see... On his dying breath, you know. I understand that, but... Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. But that would have to be after, because it's actually Hugh, uh, Narek's sister, that is interrogating Hugh. Right. So that means they have to get caught first, get right. interrogated. Right, right, right. Okay. And then... Maybe she'll kill him. Yeah. yeah. But then uh, what happens? I, I want to know what happens to both of them. I'm excited. Let me put yeah. it that way. I'm excited to see Yes, that. and that's good. Yeah. Um, that's it. I'm excited. Hmm. Yeah. Do you want to see any hate? Hater's Corner? All right. I have nothing to contribute for Hater's Corner, but if you've got something... Yeah, i got a couple. Here's one. Oh, boy. All right. Yeah. I don't even know what this person is saying. I imagine it like this, colon. Imagine what? Let them, okay. Let them finish. Okay. I imagine it like this, colon. It is science fiction and no one will get it. Exclamation point. The average viewer are just watching for action exclamation point. They get furious when there is any substance in it. And it gets harder when there is an established universe. In my opinion, they clearly do not care about the brand. They just want to salvage it in hope of getting some short-term subscriptions in order to keep their business running. Yeah, it's called a streaming service. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Yeah. They get, I like that. They get furious when their substance. Who's they? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the imaginary dumb fans that are out there. Yeah. All right, this one here makes no sense, right? I, I actually lied. I will have one. Okay. So go ahead. Through no. I honestly think Patrick Stewart wants to nerf his character and TNG by extension. That's the only reason we can be getting scripts this bad. He wants the show to be Logan and is willing to tank the entire franchise as a result. And he talks about soap opera writing and how terrible it is. So what does nerf mean to like make something... Make it like weak, make it weaker. Weaker, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... He wants to nerf his character and the next generation. He's determined to do it. 
he's making that, that, CBS invest millions of dollars so he can nerf his character. Patrick Stewart is also 30 years older. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> They're nerfing it up, man. It's a secret conspiracy. All right. I know I said I didn't have one, but I did find this on Instagram. And I I, I, I laughed at it, actually. Excellent. So, kind of so basically, C- so CBS made a um, post just to advertise Lower Decks that it was coming in 2020, right? Mm-hmm. So this one person comments, and I laughed out loud. It says, Dear CBS, I've grown tired of waiting for Star Trek Discovery, for new Star Trek Discovery episodes. Okay, Picard, the concept is okay, but it's very slow, and I don't see anything unexpected. You've got two options. <laughs> That's very kind so of So this person's laying two. out the options. Yeah, at least they CBS. give them options. Yeah. You've got two options, and only two. You've got two options. First, continue being slow with Picard, but start the new season of Discovery. Or second, change the scenario of Picard and show some suspense. So, so you know, you've got two choices. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to lay out the options for you. Yeah. Of what these choices And it's be. funny that the last one that I just read said that all Picard is doing is throwing action at us because that's all dumbos want. And this person is saying Picard's too slow. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. Which is it? And so the first comment I love, they say, talk about entitlement. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And he says, I don't care about entitlement. I'm just a simple fan. And I commented, <laughs> simple? You just asked CBS to change an entire concept of a show. On your, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because you said so. Oh, uh, I love that. You have two. It's like it's a threat. Yeah. You have two options. Yeah. Yeah. I, and to go back to the idea that all they're doing is throwing action at us, I know that everyone wants. They like. Before Picard came out, remember everyone was saying, oh, it's just going to be a shoot 'em up action all the time. It's, it's not, not. But yet people are sticking to that. What, saying, like, what all happens it is, is, is action. Because what happens is when they just have action of any sort, it doesn't matter if it's relevant to the story or not relevant to the story. Yeah. They're just like, oh, now it's just all. But here's the thing. If there's too much action, they say, oh, it's too much laser fighting and pew-pew. If there's nothing, they say, oh, it's so slow and talky. Yeah. It's like... And, and, and uh, I have to say, you and I both agree, I think, that they've treated the action very well. There's action, but it's never prolonged. It's never prolonged. And, it makes sense to the yes. story. It's action that it's, serves the story. And it's it interesting looking. Right. The action serves the story. It doesn't write the story. Yes. Yes. Where we, you know, and we've had problems with other Trek shows in their action. Right. I mean, I've said in the past that Into Darkness was the biggest defender of this needless action. And I thought much of the second half of Discovery Season 2 had needless action. Shootouts and things and 10,000 drone attacks. Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2, the entire episode is a battle. Yeah. The whole episode Uh, is a battle. Oh boy. Yeah. That was so good. Alright, I got one more, then we'll be done. Now, this person seems to be talking about the general concept of the Romulans being on that planet where Picard went to see them. The way of thinking of the hacks who are writing Star Trek discard is probably, quote, Khan was pissed that Kirk didn't rescue him in that 80s movie, and the fans love that, so let's do that with the Romulans, except add diversity and make Starfleet an evil, straight, white, male patriarchy that needs to be smashed. End quote. 
So, again, they don't watch Trek. They don't know Trek to... From that... Well, they're just stealing from Trek. From that 80s movie? Yeah. Well, they, they're supposed to be in the putting themselves in the... Because these writers are so dumb, they don't even know what it's called in this person's mind. And then I like that in Evil Street... If you want to make them dumb, you could say in that stupid 70s movie, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I like that it's the Evil Street... If, if you're going to... If you're going to write it and seem like the writers don't know the title, why don't you go a step further and say they don't even know when it came out? Yeah. Why don't you make them stupid, you know? I like that straight white patriarchy that needs to be smashed. Who has been the Starfleet during a conspiracy? Well, who's far we've seen? Three women. Right. And yet it's the patriarchy that they're attacking. That's a <laughs> that's special. And by the um, way, not... And they're not white, they're aliens. Right, and the admiral that she spoke to on this one was African-American. Yeah. But the the conspiracy ones, one was Asian slash Romulan or Vulcan or something. Right. So yeah, the patriarchy being represented by three women. Hmm. So yeah, again, it's that idea of, oh, it's politically correct. It's too woke. Star Trek's not supposed to be woke. Yeah, uh, yeah it is. That's exactly what it's supposed to be. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. So a little perusal of the hate that's out there. Too much of it. It's it's getting the hate is just getting silly. I mean, it always was kind of silly, but I feel I feel like in the past it was somewhat constructive. Now it's just they're just complaining about things that are like immaterial. The thing that I find fascinating is that there is it in there are channels on YouTube that their entire model is trash the episodes right and they review every episode and you know what you're gonna get they're just gonna trash it right because and, there's this phenomenon going on now called hate watching yeah because i don't believe that there was ever any um like honest intent of them to review it as they got it and if they liked it they were, i think that they were just looking to trash it i mean think about this for a second do you think it was do you think cbs do you think somebody at cbs sat down in the conference room an executive and said Let's spend like seventy million dollars to piss off an entire fan base because it'd be funny. I assume not. Though they would probably be some conspiracy about how the film rights and the TV rights, and you have to ruin it in order to save it. Or but something think about it. what I just said. Doesn't that sound ridiculous? Yeah, yeah. But then, yeah. And then the ones that are more thinking it through are the ones that say, well, they just want to make money off of it, so they're making it dumb, because dumb, only dumb people, you know, most people are dumb, so they're going to make the show dumb, so that way... Even people when people were bitching way, that way, way back about Discovery, when they were saying, oh, I'm not going to pay to watch, CBS just wants to make money off of it, and I, I just kept thinking, yes, because it's their IP. Yeah. My favorite was when somebody money. said, I think, don't you think CBS has made enough money off of it? I go, and I'm like... What corporation at any time has said, you know what? <laughs> I think we've made enough money. Yeah. Let's do the fans a solid. Yeah, they're just going to become just, a non-profit and now. And just give, the, give it to them for free. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look. Disney would, wouldn't charge for any movies. All movies would be free from Disney if that right? was the case. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I don't pay for Star Trek. It's like, well, guess what? You've always paid for Star Trek. You had to pay, even when it was on syndication. You had to pay for that TV to watch it on. And you had to pay... You had to pay for that movie ticket to go you see had to watch, films. You had to watch like you had to, 15 minutes of ads. You had to pay that... Right. You had to pay that $5,000 that you pay to go to a convention. 
Yeah. Think about anybody Which now. Which is fine, by the way. Think about anybody now putting up with 15 minutes of ads to watch an hour of television. Because even if you have the ad CBS All Access, you get maybe five total minutes of ads. Not if you have an ad blocker. Oh, right. But, um, yeah, like that was not free. We just didn't realize at the time how much our time watching ads was worth. Now we get it because, right. you know, the media landscape It's more, has it's just different now because it's coming directly from our wallet. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But we were always paying for it. It's just the method of transaction has changed. Yes. Yeah. But what I always say is people were bitching and moaning about having to pay for CBS All Access. A measly seven, eight dollars a month. Yet spending, as I said, upwards of five grand to go to a convention. Yeah. To go on a Star Trek cruise. Yeah. But they're just going there to that's talk about fine. but that's fine. They're gonna talk about the shows that they already watched for free at those, so that's Oh, so they feel like the, it's it's time invested. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what the vibe is at conventions now. If people are very, you know, if someone shows up and they're wearing like a Discovery uniform, or if they get they get, beat, they get beaten up. Well, I don't know, beaten up, but maybe. Uh, you um, know, I mean, I, rude I see on Twitter and stuff like people go to Star Trek cons and they dress up as people from Discovery. And nobody. Yeah, that's yeah. good. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't seem to be the case. Good. Yeah. Because, I mean, there are still fans who probably hate Voyager and hate Enterprise, but they don't, you know. Right. So. Well, that ends it for us. Godspeed. And we'll be back next, well, end of this week. Long life and good fortune.